Hello, everybody. My name is Lat Mackey, and this is Sequence Break, episode 12, Munchakupas. Very excited to be chatting with Munchakupas. Hello, Munchakupas. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. I hope my cat does not distract <laughs> us too much tonight. Oh, this is awesome. What's the name of the cat? Uh, his name is Indy. <laughs> Indy. Hello, Indy. How are you doing? No, I'm glad, he, I'm glad Indy could join us. <laughs> So, um, first of all, uh, there's a lot to get to, but let's first, uh, first, uh, why don't, how did you get into video games and what does where does your video game story start? Because we're going to go down a couple different paths. I think it's kind of interesting to know where you started from. So the earliest memory I have of playing video games of any sort is on my fourth birthday. Um, I remember it. My, my brother got me a Sega Genesis. I remember that very clearly. And I don't remember at some point around the same time, possibly the same day, my sister got me an NES. But the earliest game I remember playing was some racing game on the Genesis. And to this day, I cannot find out what it was. Oh, no. I, can't, I, I can't find video of it. I can't find pictures, anything. I've gone through every racing game list for Genesis that I can find. I I don't know what it was, no. and I can't find it. There are some great um, games, racing games on the Genesis, too. There are, oh, and man. unfortunately, I've looked at all of them, and none of them are what I played. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, dang. Yeah, uh, but I, I, one of the first, like, you know, very popular games I ever played was um, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, because my brother would just get me stuff at garage sales and bring it home. Um, and uh, I remember, like, playing it over and over and over, just trying to, like one understand it because here i am like you know between the ages of like five and seven going like okay how the heck do i like go it, it, it like it was it felt so different from like anything else i had tried but it was also very fun and i i eventually got to the final level and i did beat it and i had never felt more accomplished in my young life <laughs> i can't believe I, you actually beat that as a kid neither can i i also beat the legend of zelda at the age of seven what? the first one yeah. Okay, you were an overachiever. I can already tell. <laughs> I, I, I used to have the whole map memorized. Um, I don't anymore, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I used to beat that one like occasionally. Um, that was actually a hobby I had growing up. I mean, as I'm sure for a lot of speedrunners, is you know playing your favorite games over and over. Um, but like I used to have every item location and trainer and what Pokemon they had memorized in like Pokemon Emerald. Um, like I knew where to catch everything and oh all that God. stuff. I am uh, so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> like those skills ended up serving me well, as you might imagine. Um, luckily, but uh, yeah, video games have always been like a part of my life, um, much to my family's chagrin sometimes, because <laughs> it's like you'll rot your brain, etc. And uh, they were right, of course, but it still didn't stop me. <laughs> yeah, a, of course, and I, I love that Sonic Two was one of the games that you first beat because I, I just recently played that as an adult, and I found it challenging as an adult to actually beat that game on the first playthrough. And it's uh, it's such a great game. What a great way to to start out your video game journey, minus yeah, the racing it, game. Yeah, it's so obtuse, Zelda <laughs> One. Um, something I just remembered: I either I couldn't figure out how to save, or my cartridge was like not working, and I didn't understand that. But I, I very distinctly remember like always having to start over at the beginning, and like that's why I had the whole map memorized. Is because if I wanted to play it and beat it, I had to do it in a single sitting. Um, 
I just remember, like, something was wrong with my cartridge, I guess. But I just remember every time I played it, I had to start from the beginning. <laughs> so it's interesting. My brothers and I, I feel, I realize now, like, I lived, I must have lived a privileged life, privileged life because we were able to beat Zelda 1 and 2, but we had the guides and the Nintendo. We had every possible thing you could think of at the time that could help you uh, beat the game. But I, if you didn't have that, nothing. how would you remember all that? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> just, I I got used to like doing it all over and over and over again. Like, oh yeah, the sword upgraded is like way up here, but you have to like do this thing over here before you can get it for some reason. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Well, so okay, so I I, I love that's such a, it's, it's great that this those games are your for your first choice. It, when when's the uh, when's the first time then you even considered or thought about a speed run or experienced a speed run? Like, how did um, that come about? So, at some point, I think it was. Around the time I was like 15, like, uh, what year would that be? That would have been like 2006. Okay. Um, I'm dating myself there. <laughs> I'm older anyway. than you, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I was playing New Super Mario Brothers on the DS, and oh. I just remember, like, I realized, like, you could skip a bunch of worlds by going directly for the cannons and whatnot, and I knew exactly how to do it and where to get all the items and all that. And I'm like, I wonder how fast I could do this. And I played it, and I'm sure I did it in like under an hour. Um, at, like around that time it was probably very sloppy obviously i had no strats to go over i was just sure. like yeah i think this is what you do um and then i remember when my friends and i found out about uh backwards long jumping in mario 64 we tried like we got out the virtual console <laughs> and tried doing that and that was all we did for a saturday until like i eventually clipped through a wall <laughs> um, but like other than that like i i didn't do any serious speed running until 2014 i i always had fun doing like challenge stuff in games um like uh doing tons of out of bounds stuff in halo 2 beating it on legendary with friends um like do, doing stuff like that was always a, a popular thing for me is there so. was there like a run or a runner or maybe even some glitch of or you know that, that inspired or like that you experienced that said hey maybe you want to try breaking games you know <laughs> the, uh I'm I'm sure there was at some point like the Mario 64 stuff was probably like one of those things like oh games can do this um sword flying in Halo 2 I think was another one of those like just seeing yourself zoom across <laughs> an entire map if you did it right was it's crazy it was, it was always very rewarding um what I just remembered one of my earliest like exposures to like speed running in general was uh the show Cinematech on G4 TV and what this show was for anyone that does not know um, is essentially they would show like game trailers or game footage like that was it and right. they would show just that for like half an hour i had no idea how they had the rights to do this but it was amazing <laughs> i'm sure you can find episodes on youtube or something but um occasionally in, during an episode they would have like it would, the, the episode would start with a playthrough of like the legend of zelda or symphony of the night or a circle of the moon i remember seeing a richter speed run of one of the two castlevanias he's in for on like the playstation oh wow um uh, mind you, I had never heard of Castlevania at the time. I just remember seeing someone kicking a lot and like doing some cool looking stuff. And I'm like, oh, that was neat. But they, I don't even know if they called it a speed run, but they just, they just like, they had it up and there was also a timer in the bottom right corner. And so they'd play that for a couple minutes and then they'd go back to what they usually played. But then like every uh, time before and after they would go to break, they would bring up the speed run again. Um, and I'd be like, oh, wow, he's already like here. And they would always have it picture in a picture in the corner so you could still like pay attention to it. Um, and I, I don't know that it, it, it just made me realize like, oh, people enjoy doing that. Like, and I enjoy doing that. That's cool. 
I'm glad you mentioned G4 because even before, I think it was, was it Tech TV before then, whatever it was before then, but they, they, it was a place you could actually see video games being played. And on TV, there just wasn't a lot of that, of that. you know, you had, and, and I don't, that might've been before YouTube. I don't even know. Nah, maybe YouTube was around by then, but uh, no, it, it was before YouTube for a little bit, yeah. but if you didn't have internet, like I did, <laughs> like I, I didn't, I didn't have internet for a long time. Oh wow. So like G4 TV was my whole like world yeah. once I found it until it was eventually gone, you know, but right. Um, but for us geeks, yeah. it was like the coolest thing. And I, I didn't, what a great way to present a speed run. I mean, I, I didn't even thought like I, I didn't even realize at the time, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't thought about it. That had to mm-hmm. have like had some influence on myself as well, because it was such, it was seeing video games at what I considered like a really high level at that time, you know, which was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. That's so cool. So when did you decide then to like record your first speed run? And what was that, that speed run? Uh, it, w- it was probably Shovel Knight, and it was definitely in 2014. The very like first stream I ever did was just a test stream of Electronic Super Joy. What the hell is <laughs> that? <Actually. laughs> uh, it's a 2D platformer where the game was made like to go along with the music that was composed. Um, and they recently had a sequel. It's like one of those tough as nails type platformers. Oh, got it. Um, like it, it's pretty fun, but it's also, I don't know, it, it's okay. <laughs> I like it though. Dog in the um, chat says that it's a great game. So you have there's at least one fan out there in the uh, the chat. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's cool. So th- then that leads to the the inevitable question: <laughs> How did you come up with a screen name? Like, what? How did you? Is there an origin story behind your screen name? So in it's like in 2014, I had just finished college. Um, I was a music major. And uh, I couldn't play anymore due to an injury, but I still wanted to like scratch that performance itch. Um, and for some strange reason, I don't know why, maybe it was just the freedom of finally not having to go to school anymore. Um, I really wanted to play more video games. So I decided I'm going to try and be a Twitch streamer. I'm really good at video <laughs> games. I'm sure I can entertain people somehow. Um, it didn't really work out, of course, um, but it worked out in other ways. Um, but my first Twitch account that I made, like no one could pronounce the username. It was Quixitry, but people kept pronouncing it like Kihitry or something. So I decided to delete that account because like, okay, if people can't even pronounce this, I don't want to use it. And I was trying to figure out like a new username. And I'm not a very original person. I'll be upfront with that. Um, so, But uh, my favorite game growing up was Yoshi's Island. Um, I, I played that first on the Game Boy Advance, actually. I didn't know what a Super Nintendo was until 2004. Um, so anyway, my favorite game is Yoshi's Island, and like the around the same time that I was trying to f- make a new username, there was some article uh, about uh, like someone found a like pre-release pamphlet for Super Mario World, and it had like little character bios and everything, and it revealed uh, this was this like in a, it's an official Nintendo document, by the way. So this is canon as far <laughs> yeah. as I understand. Um, but it said that Yoshi is actually short for his full name; it's a nickname. And his full name is T. Yoshisor Munchakupas. And I thought, I yes, and I thought Munchakupas just sounded silly, It and it suited me because I'm kind of silly sometimes. And more importantly, like, my favorite game growing up was Yoshi's Island, so I figured it would be a good reference at least. Um, plus anything with, like, four syllables is just really nice. You know, it's very singable. It's clappable. Um, I don't know. It's catchy. You just blew my mind. Like, people can call me Muncha or Koopas. Um, quick note, a pet yeah. peeve of mine, and I'm not bl- trying to, like, yell at anyone or being like, grr, hey, I'm angry at you. But just, like, a pet peeve of mine is when people call me Munchas. Just Munchas. 
There, there is no S between the Muncha and the Koopas. <laughs> Please do not call me Munchas. So that if you see all. a bunch of Koopas out there, leave. The, there's no S there. But no, <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's so cool. Okay, so I got to backtrack for just one second because sure. Mad Little Pimp mentioned it in the chat that he's a the music major thing and that he plays drum and bass. And I, um, I was a, uh, I'm still a band person to this day. I actually teach high school music and college age music, uh, drum uh, music kids, drum and bugle corps, marching band, that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I think. That's interesting because I have met a fair amount of people in our community who were music people growing up. And maybe it's the geek thing. I don't know what it is. Or maybe it's just the passionate about certain things or that you have to have a very – to be any sort of music or artist, you really have to be dedicated to it. And I feel like that's kind of the case Mm. with speed running and things like that as well. Did did any of those things – I mean is there any correlation there for you or was it just something that happened to be part of your journey? Oh, no, definitely. There's. I've always thought that there's a lot of correlation between learning a musical instrument and learning how to speed run a video game. Like – they're both an instrument to some extent. They both have their intricacies and they both have their fundamentals. Mind you, learning an instrument, of course, has hundreds of years of fundamentals sometimes. So there's more, you know, learned ways of going about it. With a speedrun, like, unless you're learning an already established game, you're essentially, you know, you are inventing the wheel yourself. Um, and I had to do that with a lot of Shovel Knight stuff. But, um, I, I definitely think there's a lot of parallels between music and like learning an instrument and playing a game, at least for these purposes. <laughs> I'm really glad that you mentioned that uh, of the instrument part. Um, I did an interview with Mitch Flowerpower, and he specifically said he treats his controller like a musical instrument. And mm-hmm. I just thought that that was so prescient, but it also it it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like this, these are the type of these are the tools we need to do these things. You know. Yeah. That was really cool. Okay, that's awesome. So why why did you choose what is it about Shovel Knight? Why did you choose Shovel Knight? Why is that the game that, that inspired you? So Shovel Knight is very important to me for a large number of reasons. Um like the uh, the like most prominent reason that I chose to speedrun it was probably because it it came out during SGDQ 2014. And so while I was watching the event at home, I was playing the game. Um and I just thought, like, I man, I really want to get involved in this community because now I finally have the time since I'm not in school. And I had honestly been thinking about it for, like, the previous two years, but I just didn't know what game I would speedrun because I I didn't know where to go to learn about these things or how I would even go about it. Anyway, um, so I, I, I played it during the event, and I fell in love with all of the mechanics and everything in it because everything about it just reminded me of all the games I loved playing when I was a kid. Um and I just it it like much for the same reasons that a lot of people speed run like I, I play a game that I really like to get more out of it. And Shovel Knight was one of those first games that truly sparked that in me like as an adult, um, whereas previously I just like played a game like once or twice and then I was done with it unless it was something I was like playing with friends like a multiplayer game. Um, but Shovel Knight just everything about it, I think, is so amazing. And I just wanted to play it forever. Um, now, uh, careful what you wish for, just forewarning. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I still love the game. It's wonderful. But yeah, and, and just a little uh, heads up, you know. So now, I well, okay, we'll get to we'll get to the uh, the the development part of this in just a sec. But I do yeah. want to talk. I mean, so 
I, I want to preface this by saying I've only played through Shovel Knight as a casual playthrough. I've never done the speed run of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like a lot of people, I just love the game. I, everything about it. I love that it doesn't hold your hand. I love that you just get to, it, it takes inspiration from all the games I loved as a kid. It does everything. The music is wonderful. The graphic, everything is just, it's, it's so good. And I love, one of the biggest things, I love that you can still get new experiences out of it today with the DLCs and everything else that they keep doing th- things on it. So I'm going to try not to be too big of a fan, especially because you work there and everything. But I, I do want to say that I, I'm a really big fan of the game. Um, what is it about the the so the speedrun? I find uh, utterly fascinating. And can you just maybe just touch on a couple of things that make the speedrun unique? And what's kind of exciting about doing a speedrun of Shovel Knight? Sure. Uh, so the most fun thing about speedrunning Shovel Knight for me, like specifically Shovel Knight the character, is everything you can do with the shovel. And there's a lot of very subtle timings um, and like tricks you can do that make this, you know, generally considered clunky character move rather, you know, adeptly. Um, and you know, once you figure that out, you really, and if you have an eye for level design, you can really see that every single one of the things, like practically, that we do in a speed run has, to some extent, been considered. Um, mind you, yeah, they didn't expect a lot of, you know, precise movements or like. Uh, specific tricks but you know the with the the distance of platforms and like the height shovel light jumps and all of these things the speed at which he moves like all of it has been considered and when you learn how to do it it just flows like seamlessly um at least i've always felt that way um but yeah i I just think it's the physics really is what really nailed me the physics and the interaction with the environment like that that's what gets me Totally agree. When you were first learning or, or, or first started doing runs, are, what's your approach? Were you doing the type of thing where um, you, you practice uh, certain tricks or certain levels or were you doing full runs? Like, what, how, how do you approach a speedrun like Shovel Knight? So for me, because it was also the first game I had ever speedrun, I was also honestly trying to get uh, get my gaming chops back, sure. if, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, when I first started it... Um, you know, the person to watch was Captain Drake, and he was doing any percent. And uh, I tried doing any percent, but I, I kept dying everywhere. And at the time, any percent, you had to break all the checkpoints. Um, for anyone not in the know about Shovel Knight, like there's a checkpoint system, and you can physically break them to obtain more money, uh, which allows you to buy more stuff. You can see why that's nice for the speedrun, because it saves a lot of time. Anyway, um, I kept dying, so I decided I'm just going to run low percent, where you don't have to buy anything, therefore I don't have to break any checkpoints, and I can uh, work on my fundamentals, if you will. So I tried to treat it honestly like learning a fighting game as well, because I had also just come off a couple of years of playing Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom oh, nice. um, with uh, with my old roommates in college. So uh, I looked at it like, okay, before I learn how to use all these relics and propeller daggers and stuff, I need to learn what exactly what the shovel can do. And um, that's what I decided to do. That's kind of a crazy approach. Uh, I, 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 maybe you can uh, answer this, but in, in typically a low percent run is really challenging because you're not getting power ups. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not boosting mm-hmm. up the character to blast through things. Is it the, is it the same way in Shovel Knight? It's definitely the same way because obviously like now I can't cross as many gaps um, as I can with the propeller dagger. I have to be very wary of spikes at the end of like stranded ship, which can very easily kill you. Um, but something that really appealed to me about Shovel Knight was the platforming specifically, and that if you wanted to make it a game um, that was just you jumping around and none of the items, you could do that. You know, like Shovel Knight can be played a myriad of ways. Um, and to me, what was the most fun was mastering 
exactly where to place the character for optimal movement just with like the base kit um to, to this day he's still my favorite platforming character ever <laughs> um and for good reason wow that's pretty awesome still this all this time later he's still your favorite i think it's really that's such an interesting approach like a tip so when i approach a speed run it's what's the fastest way from point a to point b but mm -hmm. considering the fundamentals that's the way you can really master a game so you may be able to i'm seeing how by the way this leads to a, a career in qa by the way because you're learning <laughs> the very the, the fundamentals of the game this way mm -hmm. and that's a like much it, different approach that's cool like it much in the same way that um you know, an athlete internalizes, you know, how to throw a fastball or, you know, how to jump over a hurdle, you know, at some point they're not thinking about, you know, uh, how close am I? They're just like, oh, they, they feel it, you know? Yeah. And for me, it, I've, this sounds really silly when I, when I say it, but like I have internalized all of these actions in Shovel Knight. Like I, I have full mastery over this game's physics system. I know exactly like how much to press a button to move a character the amount I want to either avoid or not avoid doing whatever um like it, i forget like how i forget how much mastery i have until like our ops manager comes in and sees me play something <laughs> and she's like i thought you were gonna die at least like seven times but then you made it out of the pit somehow by doing some magic and i don't understand what you're doing but it looks really cool i'm like thank you um that's definitely yeah. a sign <laughs> Um, how has the uh, the speed run of the game evolved since you've been playing since 2014? Um, it's evolved a lot, um, mostly thanks to actually for someone that I learned a lot from um, was a runner named Buster uh, Busta Wolf, Busta Wolf, excuse me. Um, he goes by many names, but anyway, uh, he he is still my dear friend. I actually just went to his wedding uh, last uh, October, um, and uh, just he he also treated. Uh, shovel knight like learning a fighting game and he was also someone that was he just if he had a goal he was laser focused on it um and i am not that way honestly uh, i have to try really hard to like get good at things um and he drove me a lot by uh just being a friend that was you know kind of there to be along for the ride and you know share in me uh, share with me you know this journey of learning how to play this strange video game um but he would also run he ran every category so like he also revol he really revolutionized any percent at the time um and like back when there was still like a ton of rng at the end of the game with where the map enemies would go um he got a really really good time and a really solid run at the time it was a 48 like 36 or something and he beat drake's time by like almost a minute i think oh wow um it like it was unheard of he used like two less items and just had like really good strats overall um and uh then a patch came out which removed all the map rng and then like basically everyone else just steamrolled over his old time but it's just like if you go back and watch that run there's a lot of like really cool things that go on in it um and like a lot of the things he did we still use today um and also i have to toot my own horn here but um i was one of those people that again just i didn't run any percent a lot but i was really interested in optimizing the game so i like i would go and try learn try and learn how to do tricks and honestly because of a lot of my work in low percent we've i figured out uh with a lot of help from some other runners namely like a zoo lag um like how to do a lot of things in this game so there's a skip in lost city that um i am famous for pardon me um i should have grabbed a video of it to link in the chat but anyway uh, if you watch any any percent speed run, there's a skip in Lost City where 
at the first beetle auto scroller well auto scroller <laughs> right. um and you free the blue birder enemy and it bounces you free it at a specific time and it bounces in such a way that if you keep up with it you can bounce over or you bounce off of it and skip the end of the room and it saves a huge amount of time and um oftentimes whenever i see a new runner get to that room um i i the first thing i say in chat is hi welcome to lost city i'm sorry and they and they, they they look at it and they go why are you sorry and then they like they try and do the thing and like maybe they get it or they don't and then like and then it clicks for them they're like oh you're that guy <laughs> oh like that mind you that's only happened like twice so that's not really a thing hey, but still though <laughs> but still it's it's still a joke in the community like i'm just like if you're getting to lost city i'm very sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't mean for it to be this hard it's honestly not that hard in my opinion but it's like it's one of the first big hurdles for learning the category sure um and like there's so many things i could cite that like either i had a hand in or like i did directly um which like it sounds very egotistical but um i i can back it up in this case no so, no like, I, there's a lot of strategies that are still used that I made, and that's really insane to think about, even for Plague Knight. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, that's. I think it's really cool to hear about because, you know, one of the things as I was doing some of my research, I you're really active in the community, and I uh, a, a lot of, at least in as I'm putting the picture together, I'm like, oh, no, it almost it seems inevitable that you end up being a QA tester <laughs> at, <laughs> at Yacht Club because I'm just like, the, 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 the seeing the way that you've broken the game up, or, or I should say... Uh, develop these new ways of getting through it um i i it, it it makes a lot of sense to me and and you touched upon something that i i find it's, it's you're the first person i think i've had on who does pc or a, a game like like shovel knight that's on so many different platforms and is mm -hmm. updated and has patches and all these kind of things how does the community how do you decide what is on the leaderboard or, or how does that i mean do you just guys go with what the fastest how does that work so when the community first started, like when I first started a Discord server, there were literally seven people. Seven. <laughs> and it's kind of always been an unwritten rule in the community that we go with whatever the current patch is, hmm. usually because one, that fixes a lot of bugs that honestly sometimes cause problems. Sure. Um, I won't get into the, that now because there's too many to go over. Right. Um, but it, it's the, the like our main goal that we initially set out for was that like we wanted shovel knight to be a game that no matter what console you're playing on you have a fair shot at getting the record so if there's like a specific trick that like i'm very thankful this is not the case uh luckily at least it won't be soon um like there's no specific trick that only works on pc like everything you can do on pc is doable on every other system like, by matter of technicality, if you had a third arm, the 3DS would be the most optimal system to play on. Um, but yeah. Uh, why? I gotta ask, why is that? <laughs> uh, it has a touchscreen. That and the Wii U both have a touchscreen you can access for faster item swaps. Got so, it. Um, mind you, you can also, like, this is also th allowable. Um, so, like, something else we've done to, like, also establish, like, I guess comparability is a good word, or, like, to establish a spirit of, like, competitive fairness is um if you're playing with keyboard uh the number keys on the top of the keyboard are actually assigned to your relics so if you're playing new game plus you can just tap each one of those for immediate item switches um and for fairness we also allow the use of joy to key on uh if you're playing with controller as long as you're doing like a one-to-one -one button uh, assignment if that makes sense yeah um 
and like mind you, you don't really get a whole lot of options because we honestly do use a lot of buttons on the uh, like a, even a DualShock Four. Um, but basically, through this, we allow runners to then basically do the same thing and bind like their triangle button to the number six. Right. Um, sorry about the Discord noises. No, no, it's but good. Um, didn't even hear him. Didn't hear him on my end. So. Oh, good. Sorry, <laughs> ignore me. But. Um, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, we like if you think about speed running, sometimes it's like, well, now you're using an outside program and all that, and I'm like, yes, but it's in the spirit of making the game like more fun for some people, because like if you're like I myself, I don't like playing on a keyboard, not because it's like bad, it's perfectly fine, it's that like my wrists start to hurt mm. if I am in that position for so long, so it's just more comfortable for me to use a controller. Um, but just yeah, in the spirit of fairness, we allow controller runners to map some of their buttons to numbers so they can do immediate item switches for a few of them if they want. Um, and I think that's fine personally. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great too. And I, I, if I ever did decide to take on the speeder, and I appreciate that you offer all the platforms. Now, I'm one of these geeks who's bought it on three different platforms because it's nice on the like you mentioned the 3ds. It's it was awesome having the game on the go, like mm. being able to just pick it up and go and play it and stuff like that. And I didn't have a switch at the time, so but uh, that's cool that 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 there's consensus there, and I'm sure some of that stuff gets discussed. But that's I, I'm always curious about the patch thing, and thank you for answering that because that seems in my opinion, I, you mentioned it's unwritten, but that seems like the fairest uh, approach that everyone just you know because uh, I know you know Odyssey comes up a lot, Mario Odyssey, where some patch breaks to something that used to save three minutes and now you got to think of a new way around it and you know so yep. i think that's a cool way to kind of a cool way to do it it's it's mm -hmm. fair for everybody yeah i mean it's not the case in every community i'm in sure. like uh uh just a quick tangent like hyper light yeah. drifter uh mm -hmm. when it started i've also been a part of that community since it started um it was honestly very divided between whether we would use a current patch or like the the day one patch essentially yeah um and at the start, it was, you know, the day one patch was what was displayed on speedrun.com, and it was the glitched category. Now, if you go look there, uh, it's no major glitches on the, whatever the current patch is, because that was the most active category. Um, and even then, we found ways to make the current patch any percent and glitched categories faster anyway. Um, so, you know, it, it just goes to show that things change over time. Um, and luckily, like, nothing's ever really come up in Shovel Knight where it's like, oh, no, we have to use this old patch because blah, blah, blah. Like, because the newer patch is usually better. <laughs> right, right. Um, in many, many ways. Oh, sure. And and I guess that that leads to uh, you know the my next question is, is 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 how you end up doing QA testing for yacht club games. Like, what what, what how long have you been running the game? What, what when does that thing? When does that start uh, to become a thing? Let's see. I started kind of in like the middle of 2014, speed running it. Okay. Um. And I got accepted for my first run for GDQ a year later for SGDQ 2015. Um, I don't know whose decision that was, but thank you. <laughs> um, like it, it honestly changed my life uh, in many, many ways. Um, and, and if you don't and, mind, maybe after this, we, I, would you mind chatting a little bit about uh, GDQ? Because there's a lot to no, get we there. Can do that. That's how I. Well, why not get through now? Um, that's actually how I met you, and and I I want to hear your side of this, but I do want to say something that um, when I first went to SGDQ in 2018 it was my first time ever attending, and Munch Koopas was the uh, liaison, the runner liaison at the time. And well, not, wait, 2018? Sorry, it, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2019 was the first event I was staff, but. What anyway, the heck were you sorry. doing? You no no you well for whatever reason was it 2018? Did I get the years wrong now? 
It was SGDQ, and you, whatever reason, you were the person who met me and walked me through. And maybe it was 2019. Holy crap, my mind's going crazy now. But <laughs> I, I know that you made me feel like a celebrity, to say the least. It was just so kind, but walked me around and everything. And and that's one of the things that if you've ever run a game at GDQ, that's you know that that there's they take care of everyone there. If you're a volunteer, if you're attending the event, they make you feel really good about attending the event or doing a run or whatever. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious, what was your your first experience as a runner? And then how did that lead into a world of GDQ for you? So GDQ did not always have a runner liaison. That was actually something um, that Vuligen just kind of took upon himself to do. Cool. Um, and then it just became that someone needed to fill that and I, I offered to do that. Um, that is, mind you, that is not why I was initially brought on. It, that, but I, I stood up and said, "Hey, I want to do that." Um, so my, but my first GDQ experience, the first um, like person from the speedrun community I ever actually met in person was Vuligen. Ah, cool. Um, he was working the check-in desk, and so I was like, "Oh, hi, Vuligen," because I, I recognized him from the previous GDQ streams, um, and he had been uh, since I. I had a run-in, he had been popping into my stream to watch me, and he also liked the game, I guess. Um, but anyway, I met him and was like, oh, hi, you know, I'm Muncha. You know, I'm here to get my badge and, you know, learn what, you know, everything is. You know, where do I need to be when, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, like, we reviewed my volunteer stuff. Uh, you know, they asked me, you know, you know where your shifts are and an orientation. And I'm like, these days, these times, I'll be there. And they were like, great, we'll see you then. Um but uh, yeah, he didn't. I I think after that, I just kind of asked, "Oh, where? What is the general layout of everything?" He's like, "Well, we're all on this floor because it was it was very similar to this year's AGDQ where it was all one floor. Yeah. It's like everything's literally next to each other. There's the practice room, there's the PC room, there's the other room, uh, there's the stream room. That's not open yet. Have fun." I'm like, "All right." I had a laptop at the time, so I just set up in the laptop and started playing while I waited for roommates to arrive. Uh, I remember Blue Glass came over and started uh, <laughs> started watching. Um, he was very polite, though. I like talking with him. Um, <laughs> he, he's very enthusiastic about video games, and it's, I actually I really liked that. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. But uh, I had a lot of fun in my first GDQ. But um, essentially, just I, I like running at GDQ. Like I, I, I rehearsed. I practiced my butt off. I treated it like uh, I treated it high, with higher prestige than any performance I had ever done in my music career. Um, <laughs> Uh, which I'm sure my old instructor would be uh, remiss to hear, but anyway. Um, Don't worry, they won't hear. And I, just, I, I, I was immediately hooked by the community of like people that were just like me. They just they grew up playing video games. They still played video games, and they thought video games were great. And we were all coming together for a good cause. Um, and that was also something that really appealed to me was uh, the the charity aspect, of oh, course. Yeah. And just it was seeing something that. Uh, and many people touch on this in regard to GDQ, but it's seeing something that you're told as a child, like will never do you any good, at good or like do anything for you or anything for the world, and then you see it raise three million dollars for charity, and you're like, "Waha!" Ha-ha. <laughs> Take that. Uh, but uh, essentially, I just I wanted to keep being, uh, I wanted to keep getting invited back, and it was very important to me at the time. Um, to try and be the best Shovel Knight player overall in the world, um, which is a very ambitious and somewhat foolish thing to try and be because there's many, many people that came after me that apparently I inspired that uh, ended up being very, very good at this game, which I'm very happy about. Um, But uh, basically, I had the drive at the time to continue speedrunning Shovel Knight and performing at GDQ. It was very important to me. So I learned Plague Knight, and I did a New Game Plus run, and then 
Um, I didn't have a run in for SGDQ 16, unfortunately. Uh, but then I did. I had did two runs at the following AGDQ, and um, I think there's ever only of the events I've been to, the ten that I've been to, not counting GDQX. Um, there's only ever been like two, maybe three of those that I haven't had a run in or been a backup for. Um, and it's just it. I don't know. I've made I met a lot of friends from many different walks of life, um, and at some point I just decided it was my goal to like become part of the staff at some point. I didn't care how, um, but uh, I didn't really have any, I don't have any skills really other than playing video games, um, to be perfectly honest. I'm trying to work on that in my real life. Um, uh, but anyway. No, I, uh, I, 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 <laughs> if you don't want me interrupting, uh, it really is inspiring no, because I, I, I can't remember if it was in 16 or 17. I don't remember what year it was nowadays, but I would have never known Shovel Knight had existed had I not seen it played. You play it at Games Done Quick. And I can't remember, mm-hmm. I can't remember what year it was, but that's that's the kind of reach, first of all, that the marathon has. But but mm-hmm. secondly, those are the kind of things that 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 uh, get us to out to play these games, to inspire us, to donate. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, I, it's, it's not just... Just for nothing, and I think that's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, it, but I think it's really important that you know that, and that everyone knows that. That's. It's. We're doing a lot of good uh, with with things like GDQs and events like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious then how it, it it we went from runner to volunteer to the other side. Like when did you decide, or how did you get involved in some of the other things other uh, than running a game? I so I I have always volunteered ever that's since cool. my first event. Um, I signed up for donation station and tech. And I forget if I signed up for anything else. I think it was just those. Um, and uh, let's see. I did graveyard shift. It was like my tradition to do graveyard shift. So again, my first volunteer shift was with Vuligen. Um, <laughs> so it's like a theme here. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's here's a good way to set a first impression with someone that you're like working under, by the way, is for them to tell you, okay, one of us needs to always be looking at this computer. And that's primarily your job as the stream tech. So make sure you're always at this computer. 10 seconds later, there is an issue over on the stream, like on the stage and uh Vuligen and the stage tech walk over. And for some foolish reason, I decide to follow them. <laughs> and Vuligen <laughs> says, yes, but all like at some point I get, I get like, I follow him. He's like, this is, this is what's happening, but you, you need to be over at that computer. <laughs> and I'm like, right. Sorry. So that was my first volunteer shift. <laughs> I, I got to just to add, and I just to add on a little bit. I had my first geek mo- or, or, or fanboy moment. Vuligen checked me in this year at AGDQ 2020, just a month ago. And uh, mm-hmm. it, he still does volunteering and stuff like that for these events, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, you guys have been doing it now for years. So uh, please continue. I just, I just had a little geek moment I wanted to add in there. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty much it. That's That was the end of the story. It's just like. <laughs> I, I left a, a great first impression on my volunteer shift. Well, I, I guess I did over the course of the week because they kept inv- or having me back to do more and more. Um, I eventually had to stop doing the graveyard shift, um, not for any bad reason, but it was just like it, it, I've always had very bad insomnia. Oh. And at AGDQ 17, I actually did not sleep for five days. Oh, no, that's not um, good, yeah. Yeah, it, it was very obvious by the end of it. <laughs> you can ask Railcoon at the next event. Um but just like it, he's like, Muncha, you didn't know where you were probably or like what day it was. And I'm like, you're right. I didn't because I did not sleep for five days. You know this. Oh, you saw no, this. No. But no, um, it was great. 
Uh, I do have to it was say, wonderful. I did uh, vol- I did um, graveyard shifts at 19s GDQ, and then this at AGDQ, I was doing like uh, like three to seven in the afternoon, and it felt weird to like be fully awake, had a full meal in me. <laughs> it's like this mm-hmm. is bizarre. How does that work? Uh, it's very strange. So you mentioned that nowadays you are on staff with GDQ, and if you can, and if you can't, I understand if there's certain things you can't share. But um, what do you do nowadays for GDQ as as a staff member? So aside from being the runner liaison, which I guess I'll go over those duties quickly. Sure, yeah. uh, the runner liaison, my duties are to uh, greet new runners. Should I be available? Of course, I am allowed to eat and have sick days. Um, <laughs> but he does a damn good job of it. I'm just letting you people know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, my job is to show new runners around and just explain the process. Because um, now, we, as you know yourself, having done a couple runs, uh, there's uh, – you know, we have it down to like, hey, you go here, you get some makeup, then you go over here. Here's who you need to talk to. Um, and like I show streamers around to be like, here's the practice room. Here's the private practice room. Um, you know, if you need anything, please contact me. I'm, I'm basically the staff contact for runners should they need anything. Very cool. um, I am also the person that if we need a runner for any reason or need to talk to them for any reason, I am the person that is supposed to track them down. Mm. So... If I ever text you, like if you are a runner at GDQ and I ever text you, hi, we need you in the stream room now. Please, I'm not I'm not trying to be pushy. I'm just doing my job. And you really, really, really need to go to the stream room. Anyway. You are missing your chance if you're not in the stream room right now. I'm just saying. Yes, that, that, that actually has almost happened sometimes. Um, but uh, like I said during an interview at, uh, at AGDQ with Sent, uh, my favorite thing is showing new runners around and um, just kind of demystifying the whole process. Um, and I, I've tried to do that over the years anyway at like uh, at AGDQ, at Calithon, because um, like it's a very nebulous thing if you've never done a live event. Like, well, what what do I do? Like, there's a big stage. This is kind of scary somewhat because um, we're all nerds. You know, some nerds aren't as, uh, you know, they, they fear the limelight to some extent sometimes. But I, uh, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to touch on that for just a second sure. because I've actually, my one of the things I discovered at my first GDQ is I was, I guess, surprised to be the right word, but there are many streamers who are introverts, and some of the more popular streamers are actually introverts, which I mm-hmm. found interesting because something like a liaison really helps break down that barrier. I am not, nor do I get nervous or anything like that, but it did. I was. I, I wanted. I was curious. I, I was. Uh, this is. I've watched this event now for years, and I, it definitely helped um, ground it a little bit, if you will. And I, I appreciated that there was somebody like you doing what you did because it made it. It just made it so much. It put me at ease, to say the least, for the, this type of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Well, so. without me, then they'd have people continuing to go backstage and harass Uranium Anchor. <laughs> um, and we shouldn't be bugging him. He needs to work on the tracker. Uh, and I think he's always got his. La- he's always at that table, like working. He, that, that's yep. He's always there. That's his desk. Um, unfortunately, for some silly reason, at like AGDQ sixteen, he was positioned right next to the door and was the most accessible staff member. Oh no, poor guy. Um, <laughs> and so, so like I said, there didn't used to be you know a staff point of contact that was like well known. You just and to this day, still, still people just contact whoever they know, and eventually it gets forwarded along. But like, um, you know, if I, I sometimes did use i don't, I don't want to say use my status but it, like it was more i i held in good faith that people would know if i was backstage i wasn't there to cause trouble i was just there because i needed something probably yeah that's your position and, it's totally understandable <laughs> and so like oh because oftentimes i was a runner so it was probably like oh there's a runner here what do you need you must need help with something 
I, I hope that was the reason and not go away. But anyway, <laughs> um, so it, like oftentimes I would come backstage just to like find out the answer to a question or like for somebody or something. Um, uh, when my friend Fur had a run of Hyper Light Drifter, I tried to show him around and was like, okay, here's the PC. I already installed the game for you. Uh, you know, here's how the thing works, blah, blah, blah. So like I've always tried to do these liaison like things on my own anyway just because it like no one did it for me <laughs> so it, it, someone may as well do it for you <laughs> well it really does I, I i i'm not kidding it makes you feel very important and and celebrity like the fact that there's somebody walking <laughs> you around and also the production helps out too i mean you see all these cameras around and lights mm -hmm. and all these things you know you have a makeup person there's like there's a green room the whole thing is just it really yeah. has a really nice uh, appeal to it. If, if you don't want me asking, so I, I think I've discussed this with others, but you're, you, I, I believe you're, are you, you're part of the uh, game selection committee. Is that accurate? Yes. And, yes. And you mentioned that you still like to submit runs. Like I was talking to Mike Yama and he still has to submit his runs. How does that work being on the mm -hmm. committee and also submitting runs at the time at the same time? So uh, any committee member uh, does not uh, speak up in discussions of games that they submit, whether or not, uh, like say I submit a hyper light drifter. Like I don't talk about my run, and I also don't talk about anyone else's run that submits that game, cool. unless it's just a general question of like, hey, how does this category work? Right. Um, like stuff like that is answered. Um, or like, hey, are there donation incentives? Hmm. You know, th th things that you wouldn't be able to get just from watching a speed run, and you'd need someone knowledgeable about the game to say it. Okay. Um, uh, second. No committee member can ever talk about any game that they have worked on. Um, that actually wasn't a rule before I was on staff, because until then, the only like two people that were actually no, I, I take that back. Uh, Sumi also used to work for Bandai Namco. I think that's the company name. Um, so like she could take, doesn't take part in any discussions involving any of their products, and she still doesn't, even though she doesn't work for them anymore. Um, but so like those are the two rules. If you submit a game, you don't get to take part in discussions about that outside of general questions. Um, and if you have worked on the game, you don't especially don't get to have any say as to whether or not it's in the marathon. Um, <laughs> and that seems perfectly fair and reasonable. Um, how yep. long have you been doing the game selection thing? I, I know I think did you do for uh, it's actually, and others? But I mean, it's been one year since I was okay. hired by GDQ. I was hired after HEDQ uh, 2019 because that was Vulichin's last event. Oh, very cool, uh, very cool. And yeah. and how do you like it? What's what's the what's the uh, the challenges, the appeals? What's it like being on that? I committee? love it personally. <laughs> um, it's it's honestly like the most rewarding thing in my life is like going to these things and making them happen. And I honestly feel like I don't work hard enough or like do enough for these events. But then I, you know, I don't take into consideration like how important choosing the game selections and all that stuff is. Um, but I don't know. It's just like, I, I just, I think about like, you know, our programming team and all of them and how much knowledge they have and like specialties. And I'm just like, I know a lot about the legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm around. Um, but no, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, um, you know, there's, there's not, there's some not fun parts like there is with any job. Um, but and it, it has, it's not about work hours like at the hours i have to work to put in for that job are great um it's just sometimes there's discussions that are very difficult to have um and it, it's just the nature of running a large event is that those discussions come up <laughs>
Well, if I may, um, it's important what you do because I, I part of it. This is my opinion, but part of the growth that I've seen with GDQ is that the games are always wonderful. They're always entertaining. They're always they're always the reason to keep watching. You always discover something new. The the the, the streamers and the games. I mean, sorry, the runners and the games are what you know the biggest thing that keeps pushing this thing. You know, and and so it's 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 an important job. And the fact that you have the knowledge, I uh, I know I'm glad somebody like you is on a committee like that because of all the knowledge that you bring to it like the fact that you do know everything about now you know a lot about zelda i think that's super important to it so and so. i know a wee bit about the legend of zelda not as much as the, the zelda running like speed running community of Ooh. course but like i i have played almost every zelda game so you know i i have a cursory knowledge of most of them well uh, absolutely. my favorite is twilight princess by the way that oh. is my favorite twilight print wow okay you, I, I don't meet many people who that's their favorite but that's a great one i love twilight princess yeah um i have they done an hg remaster of that one they did on the Wii U. Okay. I have not played it. Uh, my first, So, disclaimer, my favorite version and the only version I've ever played is the Wii version. Oh. It is okay. the reason I bought a Nintendo Wii on launch day, was to play it a month early and rub it in my friend's face. <laughs> so you and I did exactly that. You're one of the few I've heard who, prefer, who I know who prefers the Wii. I'm definitely a GameCube person when it comes to Twilight Princess, but uh, that's pretty cool. So, you enjoy the motion controls and everything. I did. My favorite part was the bow and arrow. It was so much fun. It made you anyway. feel like Link. I got to give you on that one. Hmm? Okay, so I we were before we went down this rabbit hole. Uh, we were gonna we were working in our way to your working at Yacht Club Games, and you mentioned GDQ. Ah, uh, yes. How do we get there? How do we get from speedrunning Shovel Knight, GDQ, all that kind of stuff to Yacht Club Games? So, let's see. Back in like late twenty fourteen. Um, you know, I was regularly streaming speedruns of Shovel Knight, low percent, and um, uh, and I would always watch my friends' streams, Taiwan Ninja, Busta Wolf, Engage, etc. And um, anytime one of us would be streaming, the same person would always come into our chat and say some stuff occasionally, and his name was Shane YCG. And it wasn't until one of Busta's streams that like Busta looked down and was like, wait, that stands for Yacht Club Games? <laughs> And Shane was like, "Yes, I'm an engine programmer over there." And we we're like, "Oh, okay, cool." So like, Shane for a while, Shane was like, sort of our uh, our what our emissary uh, to the dev team, if you will, just like uh, voicing concerns that the community had or like questions and stuff. But um, I, th I believe it was also Shane's idea to uh, give uh, speedrunners access to beta stuff. Um, so, like, myself and a few others were actually given access to the Plague Knight beta. Um, not as paid testers or anything, but just as, like, a general feedback. And we do they do that for plenty of people, by the way. It's that's also, cool. like, a media thing that happens. Like, that's, that just happens in the industry. That's cool. That's cool. Um, and, like, I'm allowed to say that I was, you know, I, I played that, by the way. <laughs> all, all these years later, I am. But anyway, I was, so I played the Plague beta, and um, I tried to give as much feedback as I could and, you know, let them know what I thought about various items and any bugs I may have found. Um, but, like, I, I was still very green as far as the bug finding uh, went at that point. Uh, so, like, I didn't have a knowledge of how video games could break and how to interact with programs in that sort of way. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um and so but you definitely I, I, had a strong foundation because of the way you've been approaching speedruns. That's pretty interesting, the, the yes. fundamentals and things like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so after after that, like I just I continued playing Shovel Knight and having so they continued having interest in having me try stuff. Um, and then like uh, Specter Knight Beta came, 
uh, at some point, you know, a couple years later, and a bunch of us got to play a bit of that. And then um, for uh, to finish up Spectre of Torment, I actually worked remotely as a tester, um, which is very, very rare, by the way, um, that they would ever like any company would ever allow anyone like that's not a permanent hire to do anything like that. Um, but I had a VPN. I was able to connect and get builds. If I may, and... is the reason that that's kind of a rare thing because of the nature of the state that the game's in at that time? Or what What, what, what makes uh, that kind of... It's, it's rare because... Um, you think. Just like... Or you're basically like... You're asking someone to like have access to material that is not known to the public yet oh, got it, and got you it. are placing a large amount of trust in them got it. to not distribute that in any way shape or form um and that's why you keep it in house no that makes a lot of sense i totally understand yes yeah. yes absolutely uh, and so like you know they, they placed a lot of trust in me and i'm very thankful to them for that um but so i i worked for a month remotely i think i worked a total of maybe like 65 hours because i was just doing it like after work hmm. and on my weekends um, but I would just do whatever random tasks they would have me, like someone look into. Um, and because I had familiarity with uh, uh, Shovel and Plague, like they'd also just hired uh, like my actual lead now, um, Adam. Uh, and so since I was more familiar with the the previous content, he would often have me check the stuff in there. Um, just like a, a quick note, at, when you're playing, when you're build, making a game like Shovel Knight. Um, Shovel Knight was not designed to be modular, so everything uses and references everything else. Oh, interesting. Meaning, at any given time, anything and everything can break for practically no reason. <laughs> um, so it doesn't just break one room or one level. It can break the entire game, one thing, it, one bug. Exactly, wow, exactly. Crazy. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, I wish I could like give a more specific no, example. No, it's okay, it's but, okay. <laughs> um, like, it basically, the, because of that, like they would have me do the, the old content, like I said, and... Um, uh, that like immediately it was just it, I immediately found a lot of things that like were, would have happened because they were very obvious. I wasn't like super good at breaking anything, but um, you know, it was just nice to have someone that was essentially do the game inside and out, just like the level designers did, and knew how and where to like find all the content and make sure everything worked. Um, one of my tasks was playing through all of uh, Plague of Shadows and all of Spectre of Torment in uh, Brazilian Portuguese to see if there were any errors. Um, like formatting errors or oh, okay. uh, in instances of null. Uh, I do not speak Brazilian Portuguese, mind you. <laughs> um, but I certainly know that parentheses null parentheses probably isn't Brazilian Portuguese. <laughs> um, Might be right on that. Yeah. Dog Velper uh, was in the chat. He's actually, he speaks Portuguese Brazilian. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> funny. Nice. Anyway. Um, so uh, basically after that, uh, like that was my little stint working remotely and then Spectre was done and it was out and everything. Um, and at that time in my life, I was really, really trying to find a new job and I didn't know what to do. So I was like applying at a bunch of places. I had a couple interviews, but I didn't land anything. And so in about May, it's about four months after the remote QA work, um, I thought to myself, well, Yacht Club is working on new stuff. They'll probably need some people for a little bit later this year. Maybe I'll just like see if I can move down there for, you know, a few months. I'll keep some stuff up here in like NorCal and storage, um, and then I'll have some industry experience and just see where I go. Because I hated my job at the time, um, and uh, I actually I think I, I messaged Shane um, 
And I was like, oh, hey, you know, I'm trying to look for a new job. You know, what do you think you'll need testers later this year or whenever? Um, you know, if so, let me know. And I'd like to arrange moving down there to try it. And I'm, I'm dead serious because if we have been trying to arrange something like that for a little bit, because Shane thought I could be really good at it. Um, and he, you know, I was expecting like, oh, yeah, we'll be looking for people like in September or like this right. time next year or something. Totally. Um, but he was like, uh, let me talk to Adam. I'll get back to you. And then like 20, 30 minutes later or something. Actually, yeah, when can you start? I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, let me talk to Adam. <laughs> and so, the, yeah, it, basically then I it was decided that I would start um, as soon as I could, which was in July. It was two weeks after SGDQ 2017. So I moved to L.A. And thanks to a lot of help from some family and friends, um, I've been able to live down here and stay here. <laughs> um, I forget that, and then you know, then I look around my room and I remember where I am in life. Um, and that honestly does inspire me to work a little harder. Uh, <laughs> it's been rough adjusting to this sort of life, honestly. Uh, this is the first like time like I've ever lived very far away from a lot of family. Uh, like I didn't go away for college or anything like that. So it, it's taken some adjusting, but overall, I am. I'm happy. Do you, um, does being uh, in house does that change uh, you, how you approach your job, or does that is it, it just is it enable certain things, or what are the benefits, I guess, of being uh, uh, you know in house? Well, I learned a hell of a lot more being in house, obviously, awesome. just because you're. I mean, you're there, and like I'm not around the dev team a whole lot, but still, I get like it's just nice to be able to get answers to questions or occasionally have things explained to you as far as like the nitty gritty. Um, yeah. Much to my own chagrin, I have not made much progress on my own time to like become much of a developer. <laughs> um, but you know, we'll work on that. But it like I've learned a lot. Like I've learned a lot about Visual Studio. Um, like I I, did, I don't have a computer science background or anything. I have a mild IT background. Um, so like learning about all these different dev environments and like how to install builds on dev kits, which strangely enough is not as simple sometimes as inserting a usb drive and clicking install unfortunately um but yeah i well, learned a lot about like how game development as a whole works and that's something i value you mentioned not having uh, a computer science background one of the things that i so you you uh, and two others and i'm sorry i can't remember their names but you guys presented this panel at agd AGDQ 2020. Oh yeah. Um, and I'll let you, if you remember their names, cause I'm sorry, I can't remember their screen names, but oh, that, that was, uh, Chris or studio. Okay. And, uh, the other gentleman's name was Dylan. I do not remember his like username, but we don't, cause we just use our real names. Really? Yeah. <laughs> cause you work but, in the uh, world. <laughs> yeah. Stu studio works. He's at, he's worked in the industry for like several years now. Um, but he right now works as a producer. Um, and Dylan is a designer at Gunfire Games. He's worked on like uh, Darksiders and stuff. And so I've spoken to a couple other devs on the podcast, and that's one of the things that I've taken away is that you don't necessarily need to be a computer scientist or a programmer to work in games. There are all these different facets to development, and uh, I, I it's uh, testing. They need you know they need testers, and I think that that's awesome. And and I, I think it's also great that you you know you you are curious and you do want to try out some of these other things. But there was this avenue here for you, which was great, which is uh, testing, and and I I I think that's it's it's great to know that there are other opportunities if people want to walk or work in the games industry 
Mm -hmm. It's okay. definitely true. It can be tough to get in. It's, oh, sure. I mean, it's very yeah. tough to get in. Um, like, I'm very lucky, of course. I, I'm qualified, <laughs> but I'm lucky. Um, it's like, and just quick side note, my advice is if, if you want to get into games, like, no matter what your discipline is, like, you have to work very hard. You really do. Um, especially if you're going for, like, a mid or senior position um, at somewhere like an in, in indie studio, because they need very qualified people to do the work. Um, so just did. And that goes for, like, a lot of industries, especially anything entertainment-wise, <laughs> but, like, games especially, like, you need to know so much. And I that's something that I need to work on myself, so I'm falling on my own sword here. Right. Um, but, like, there, there's just so much. Making games is hard work. It is it is extremely hard work, and it takes a village. Dog developer says there is no make game button. <laughs> no, not so much, right? <laughs> that is so correct. Well, like okay, like other side note, Mario Maker, like the fact that that level editor, like you can just place an object and it has all its properties associated <laughs> with it automatically. Do you know how hard that is to set up? If I want one enemy in Shovel Knight to like do a thing, I have to click like seventeen different things and type a bunch. That's what, anyway. <laughs> that's what blows my mind about so the Super Mario World editor that, that the community has created. Like that's an incredibly powerful tool they've created. And I, mm -hmm. I've totally drawn a blank on the name of what the uh, the editor's name is. But like the fact that something like that exists and people did it for free, which is just mind boggling. I mean, you're right. Those things are just not easy to do, <laughs> I would assume. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and, and I, you know, I, I think there is a, at least in my experience in my career, so you mentioned entertainment, I, I work in production, there is a certain uh, uh, level of luck to anything we do. Um, before this mm -hmm. episode, uh, I spoke with PID01, who is a developer, and she is part of the, the SMRPG rando development community. And, you know, like, like you're saying, your, your story takes you from, from running the game to GDQ to these certain things that just happen along the way. And uh, yes, there is the luck effort part, but to your point if, if you work your ass off and, and you know you put in the time there 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 you, you can there are opportunities that can that can happen with a little mm -hmm. bit of luck <laughs> so very cool um so you know when I'm, I'm i'm very curious about qa testing and and when you obviously you're you're breaking or you're testing the game during the development cycle but is there a time where testing gets cut off or like where hey they get we need to ship like when, when does that actually happen in the development cycle um, I'm honestly not sure because like, this is this is still my first gig. Like there, uh, like there there still is a time when it's like okay, this is our ship date and this is like what we're going with. Um, and like there there is still that that reality of like okay, we're shipping and whatever's in there is in there. <laughs> um, and then we have to deal with that later. Yeah. Um, do you test you know, that's the case with every game? Do you test games that have been shipped or versions that have been shipped? I should say. Uh, yes. Okay. So like. Uh, so, like, a lot of the work when I first got there, actually, like, back in 2017 was, because, uh, obviously, King Knight didn't exist yet, um, was, like, we were still working on stuff that uh, was known about in Shovel, Plague, or Spectre, and polishing those up for another patch. Um, and so, yeah, I do, I like, I do still, like, I'm still working on Shovel Knight right now, because we're still trying to get the final things out and just try and make sure it's as bug-free as possible. There's uh, one of the things I, I it, Shovel Knight's so popular, which is awesome. Are, are you ever surprised by any, we'll call them bugs that the community discovers that maybe you didn't get through testing? Um, or do you get a lot of them? <laughs> no, like a, there's, there, I wouldn't say that like there's bugs that I'm surprised about. 
there's more so that there's bugs that I'm like, oh man, like mm. I would have caught that had I just like taken a moment to do that. But like, it's one of those things where like, it's like, it's just not, if, if it's, if you're not in the mindset to be thinking about that sort of interaction, you just aren't going to be thinking about it. Um, and again, going back to like, you know, Shovel Knight being a game where everything references everything else as far as the code goes, as far as I understand it, by the anyway. Um, like, it, there's some interactions that I'm like, I checked for this exact thing. Like, I, I, we fixed this exact thing like a year ago. <laughs> Why is it, Why is it here? No. It, and the reason is just like something happened somewhere and it reverted for some reason or it, it something else is causing it to happen again. And like those are the types of things that I'm just like they they just make me feel like I failed, but I know I didn't fail because there's still all the other things that I did find. Um, so it like QA is rough in that regard because like there's never a point where you just get to sit back and look at the thing and go yes it's done it's good and people get to love it. Brutal. It's just it's just I still have to find. The remaining, the remaining bugs. <laughs> there's never a sense of completion. That sounds so brutal. There's, there's really not, honestly. Um, <laughs> it's something that I, I think, honestly, is affecting me and that I need to mm. figure out. Uh, but that's another. <laughs> that's a thing for me to work on my own time. Um, I mean, maybe maybe it's a, just a me issue, well, and that's actually not a thing. But we'll see. I, I mean, I, I I I'm just taking a guess here, but it's, but through our conversation, I'm assuming that's one of the things that make you good at your job is that there you're always looking for what's next. But I, I, as a person, that's got to be challenging to if that's your approach. It's, it's very challenging, especially like because I'm the type of person. Um, I don't know why I'm this way, but like, it, I get very invested in a hobby. And then after like X amount of time or so long, I just like I, I need to do something else right. and not do that thing for a long time because I am like I'm done with it. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to touch it anymore. <laughs> Got to put it behind you. Um, and like that's all that's been the case for me for a long time. Like League of Legends played it for two years, quit Dota played for a year, quit Borderlands, like same thing fighting games over and over. Oh, like I, I don't know if it's because I can't commit or just because I really like learning things. Right. I like I often wonder if my time, you know, in the public school system, you know, made me this way because it's like, okay, now you're doing this six months later. Okay, now you're doing this. So maybe I'm just used to, to a change. But like, you know, even at this point, um, I would like to do things other than just play Shovel Knight. <laughs> Even though I know I'm very good at it, <laughs> right? Well, and that's I mean it's that's the the joys of I guess being an adult. You know, we 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 want to pay our rent and put food on the table and things like that. Um, yes. If you don't mind, I, 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 one of the adages I've heard from uh, development or something like that is that uh, you know sometimes uh, I'll hear, "Hey, that's not a bug, that's a feature." Does that actually ever happen in real life? That maybe there's something that happens that's a bug that you guys actually think makes the game better, or maybe perhaps uh... makes you think of the game differently let me think um like there's nothing that i can really think of right now from my time in qa but like something that's used in the shovel knight speed run um that like was a bug but it, it like became a feature was um when you swing your shovel and you're standing on the ground if you press jump you will cancel your attack and you know at first they were going to fix that but as they had more people play test, they were like, no, this is cool. Cause like now I can like do some cool stuff and move faster and whatnot. Right. Um, oh, interesting. And so like that, that 
you know is like a core thing in yeah. the speed run is uh you know that's that's like a it, it, basically you can tell how good someone is at shovel knight how practiced they are by how well they do their jump cancels mm. and like the, the game would be completely different if it didn't have that um that's crazy because that's a huge thing that's like basic gameplay you know like that's wow mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy that 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 was a considered um, one of them actually there, there's one more that I, I can think of um that might qualify in uh in the planes of passage um and i'm allowed to talk about this and i'll explain why later so uh, the plane in the planes of passage the very first level there is a skip you can do on a screen with one of the bubble dragons where you bounce off the bubbles and hit a screen transition two screens above you um from what i can tell wow. and this essentially like kind of screen wraps or something your character uh, and skips a couple of rooms. In total, it saves like four seconds or something if you get it right. Um, and it's only possible in this spot because of the level layout. Um, and before, it used to look really buggy, like you'd see a weird camera transition and all this stuff. And depending on how you moved in there, um, you could actually get your character stuck there and the screen would forever try to scroll. Um, and so to fix the characters getting stuck, but to preserve the uh, use of that skip for the speed run. Uh, it was actually changed so that uh, if you perform these things correctly, it still takes the same amount of time, but very smoothly transitions you to the actually a more advantageous position. So it actually was made better. Oh, yeah. So I guess there there is a bug that has now become a feature. Um, it, <laughs> so it even plays a nice little jingle when you do it. Oh, does it really? <laughs> yes. That's so yes. awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Ian, the the gameplay programmer who implemented that, uh, he worked he worked very hard um, to get all that, and he he asked me, uh, you know, very earnestly, like, do you think people will like it? Is this oh, okay? Yes. And I'm like, dude, this is great. It it plays a sound. People will love this. <laughs> and like the Discord went nuts when they yeah. found it, because um, I didn't tell anybody that that was changed. Oh, so cool! Um, so they get to discover it. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, as people were trying it, they were like, wait, was this made better and stuff? Yeah, awesome. So. <laughs> Yeah. I, and that's, I gotta be, I mean, and I, I know I'm, I'm complimenting the developers quite a bit, but the game is just so uh, joyous to play. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons, by the way, is because it's obvious the developers care about those little things that just those mm-hmm. little touches, oh, make such a huge, they're, 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 they're wonderful. They're wonderful experiences to get like for the first time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so does is there ever a point in, where uh, I don't I, I don't always know I don't know the ins and outs obviously of QA testing. Does does, the, does a QA tester ever suggest a feature or something added or, or subtracted from a level? Does that does it work that way? Yes, um, it mind you that's also very rare in QA because okay. very rarely, um, in fact, practically never does a QA team directly work with like the development team. Oh, okay. Um, like that's practically unheard of and, and like most indie companies don't have their own in-house qa in any capacity aside from maybe one person got it um so so they outsource like it or contract it or whatever they're gonna do to essentially yeah like okay. it, it's usually like uh like if you're working with a publisher the publisher handles mm-hmm. like paying for all that and arranging it etc got, got it um but like the, there there have been instances where i'm like hey uh I think this would work a little better if like this didn't happen or like, you know, this, like this, that also, this also happens for like, Hey, this level layout doesn't work because if I do this, I can get stuck here or like, Hey, I can get to this thing early. Um, and so like, like those are still just like obvious issues to some extent. 
um, even though I say obvious and then I get back, I didn't even know you could do that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> but anyway, like uh, I, I can't get any, any super sure, specific sure. examples, no, unfortunately. No. But like, the, yes, that, 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 that does happen. Um, mind you, it, it, it takes a very compassionate and um, earnest dev team to like listen when people say things like that. Um, you know, because like it, ultimately it's their game. Um, and I'm not saying this about Yacht Club. I'm just saying no. in general, like ultimately it's their game. They could tell you to pound sand if they're all, if they're all <laughs> right. in here. And um, one of the things that was made abundantly clear too by the panel that you presented was that there are different scales and budgets for anything. And sometimes you just don't have the resources and the money and the time to do a X, Y, and Z or whatever. You only can do X and Y. So, and I think mm -hmm. that's, I think that's probably the case with any business whenever you're creating any sort of product, but definitely in game development where, you know, you only have a certain amount of time and money to do certain things. So, yep, <laughs> um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Dog Veloper says in the chat, and he's being, she's making a joke, I think, but he says, uh, "Who do I blame for the delay on King of Cards?" And he says, "By the way, it was totally worth the wait. He loved the campaign." <laughs> uh, I don't know. That was honestly, that's just because they kept having more ideas, and they're like, "We have to make it better." God, that's Are you so sure? great. Yes. That so. I gotta tell you, and I, maybe I don't know if you've experienced this, but the culture of gaming seems to be a lot more understanding of delays in the past couple of years because mm. we want the games to be better when we get them. You know, we want the games to feel as good as they can when we get them on day one. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a response to like a lot of people around our age, or like our age bracket, yeah. rather. Um, you know, we are the first generation, really, that grew up with video games, and we kind of harken back for a time when. You know, you went and bought a game at the store, and it was a complete product, for lack of better terms. Mm -hmm. And I think today, especially for the last, you know, 20 years, essentially, um, people have just gotten used to games being super buggy on launch and, like, requiring these ridiculous day one patches. Oh, yeah. And, like, we hear all these stories about awful crunch at studios and yes. whatnot or people getting let go. Um, and it, I think it's also just nice that... Um, it, like it's both a it's a double-edged sword in my opinion but it is nice that to some extent like you know if you want to talk to bob at you know game company z like oh you have to email bob at game company z.com <laughs> yes. and like you'll be able to talk to bob probably um but like it it's nice that you know if you know everyone is you know uh what's the what's the word i want to use if everyone is jovial uh <laughs> You know, you, a, a dev team and a community can have a very good relation, very healthy relationship. Um, and I think that, especially in response to like an indie game, people feel a lot more personal connection with the makers of those games, especially because like you can just go to PAX and, you know, meet the people that constructed your favorite game, you know, of recent memory. Um, and I think that's really valuable. Um, and it adds another level of you know, or another reminder that, hey, people make video games. You know, they are just people. I can go talk to them. <laughs> I've noticed, uh, or, uh, and I, there are a lot of uh, people in the speedrunning community who are developers. They may not be game developers, but they're software developers, they're engineers, they're these these type of people. And mm -hmm. when, just recently, Final Fantasy VII, they're pushing it back a month. And I, the first tweets that I saw, the many, uh, so many of them were about if that gives the team a chance where they don't have to, you know, not see their families for <laughs> a month, then that's great. Oh. Now, who knows if that's what happened with Square Enix or not? But the fact that that's oh, the people no. are reacting positively. 
vaguely to that. I, I, I appreciate that. Now, Square Enix is a huge company, so who the hell knows? It's probably, I'm, I don't know what's up with, that, with what their reason was, but... Yeah, I mean, I have no inside information. Sure. I have no idea, but like I, it just if if you also look, the similar thing was in, like a delay was announced for I think it was Cyberpunk, and uh, ooh, boy howdy, I can tell you they are definitely crunching. And Probably that got pushed to the end of the year. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? So uh. I, I'm gonna hope the Final Fantasy team is also not crunching, but. Most likely, they're yeah. probably crunching, and uh, and I will be. So in my day job, I, I would know I, I, there is a definitely a rush, and there's something appealing to that crunch time. I will just say it out loud because there are, mm. you know, as much as you know, you don't want to. We do want to see people take care of their mental health and things like that. Um, there's also this excitement about doing the crunch. So as long as like like everything, mm. if it's in moderation, it's it's probably something that you know maybe. I'm sorry. It can be something that can not necessarily be such a drag and such a you know such a bad yeah. Thing. Like I I'm that same way actually. Um, if like if it's a rare occasion, I on I actually enjoy feeling like the extra mastery of yes, I'm putting mm. in these long hours and doing my part for the team or whatever. Um, and just it it's nice to be going through that, especially if you're there with a group because yeah. it's like okay, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, but also doing that for a month straight six days a week that yeah it it changes you in ways you do not expect and affects you like in ways you do not expect for many months after months excuse me afterward um like we we do we have not crunched at yacht club we had like an extended period of uh you know extra work to make sure stuff was okay um but like even then that was just like two weeks of overtime <laughs> right See, but uh, even then it was just like that was stressful <laughs> well I, I i do have to say that i one of the things i've enjoyed uh about shovel knight is that the we've heard from many and and the the team the dev team is participating in the community and we get to hear from them and and they're they're when they can share things you know they definitely they seem to consider the community as they continue to do new new releases new updates new dlc all this kind of stuff and i think that's one of the things that make another thing that makes the game so great and so wonderful mm. so uh, oh i hear a dog developer in the chat says a delayed game is only delayed until it comes out a bad game is a bad game forever miyamoto mm-hmm. uh, of course i mean that's that's uh, that's really there's definitely some truth to that for sure <laughs> Um, so I'm curious. Okay. So uh, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that stuff. It's, it's tremendous insight and it's really interesting. Uh, I, I think I may have asked this question during the panel, but wh- why, what um, correlation is there between speed running and uh, development? Or uh, maybe if you could speak to QA testing specifically, but maybe other areas of development, because uh-huh. there are a lot of speedrunners who work in development. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I could talk a little bit about... Um... I did get to do a little bit of level design stuff uh, for King of Cards. Um, I designed two of his uh, challenge mode levels. Cool. Um, And so, like, for me, uh, when I was constructing those, like, the the things I was hoping to do, um, because they used two of, like, King Knight's extra armors, um, I was hoping to, like, give players uh, levels that would teach them how that item functions and would inspire them to try using it in the campaign if they had not yet already. Um... And so, like, from a level design perspective, um, like, mind you, I don't necessarily think anyone should design specifically for speedrunners, but, like, just in a general level design perspective, 
you're trying to create something that is uh, palatable for someone who has never played a video game before in their life, while at the same time creating something that has enough interesting parts to it to where a seasoned player will still find some enjoyment out of mastering it. Um, and as on a level design front, that's that's a, that's a skill that takes a very long time to learn. Um, and it's it's about looking at like all the mechanics you're trying to use, and it's about thinking of all the different ways that uh, they can be, you know, implemented and ways that they can be made interesting. You know, like look at Mario's move set. What can Mario do? He can run left and right. He can jump. Maybe he can shoot some fireballs. He can bounce off of stuff. So you know, how do you make those actions interesting? Okay, well, if maybe you're running to the right, and maybe you're gonna, you know, just run in sequence and jump a little bit. Oh, but maybe you have to turn around really fast, or maybe there's an enemy in your way. So it's it's about making interesting interactions. Um, and then as as far as speedrunning and QA goes, there's obviously a lot of overlap between you know general game knowledge as far as how the character operates, how you know or is supposed to operate rather, how menus function, etc. And then like routing does come into play because like you know one of my tasks is hey we need someone to earn every achievement in the game i'm like okay uh i'm gonna do this so it doesn't take two weeks i'm gonna get this done in three days and i did (laughs) (laughs) um and like routing is always like it's honestly very fun for me it's always a fun process especially if i already know the thing in and out um like for King of Cards, there's a, a there's a card game component, and um, you know one of the things I obviously have to check is you know what if you did just the card game um, while playing through the game, or like you did all of like today beat the game and beat all the card game section, and so you know I routed all that out and was like, you know okay do this do this do this blah blah blah, and you know it was just, it's it's just a nice satisfying feeling to be like oh how do I take this seemingly large or long you know list of tasks and you know, complete it in a very short amount of time. Um, I, but, that's yeah, <laughs> that's cool that you actually get to do those things, or that those. I'm sorry, that those skills carry over to the QA testing. Um, I, I would say as a speedrunner, I, I run a lot of TurboGrafx-16 games, so a lot of the games haven't been routed, and routing is one of my favorite things to do. It's like it's it's really creative, and you know, it's a lot of trial and error, and there's a lot of different things you can try to, but uh, you can be get you can really try anything at that when you're doing a route, which is awesome, and time it and all that kind mm. of stuff. So. Um, what, uh, let's see, um, as as you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you've played a lot of Shovel Knight in the past few years, (laughs) do you get a chance to play any other games? And if so, what kind of, what, what, what games have you played recently or in the past Uh, couple of years that you've enjoyed? So the last couple of months I've been absolutely addicted to Pokemon Shield Ah. because like, I've always been into the competitive Pokemon scene, not so into it that I will go breed a competitive team and ever compete, but because it was made so much easier to like make interesting teams and because there are so many interesting Pokemon being used right now, um, I've been like knee deep, probably waist deep actually in like the team development process for that. Um, but like I play practically every genre um, that's not like RPG or um, like real time strategy. I'm yeah. not a thinking person in that regard. <laughs> Um, I really like action games. One of my favorite games I've played the last couple of years was Bayonetta 2. Um, I really like that game. Um, but what else did I play? 
last couple of years. Crosscode was a very fun action RPG. Um, so I try to get some gaming in. Um, I'm kind of at a point in my life where, like right now, like gaming is it's still there, but I, I, I have not, I've not spent my life focusing on like developing myself, if that makes sense, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, at least not in any way that is traditionally meaningful. <laughs> um, you know, like I was a music major, and then I've spent my adult life uh, playing Shovel Knight. You know, and you know, I'm happy with where I am, but. You know, I'm, I'm ready for the next challenge, if you will. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think that's a great way to put it, because I know that um, especially when there's something you're passionate about, it's easy to um, uh, what's it called tunnel vision, you know, and stay like you were mentioning earlier, just the type of person you are. Right? You're going to focus on that one thing. So that's mm-hmm. cool. I, I think it's really man. If I am not a psychologist or, or a self-help or anything like that. But one of the best advice I got was you can't help others until you help yourself type of thing. And I think that's a really important thing because you could take that to your career or to your family or whatever you want to apply that to. It's such a really it's a really good adage, if you if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, that's so cool. Um, I, 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 will you, I, I was checking, uh, your, your speedrun.com profile and everything like that. And you haven't had, you haven't submitted a PB for shovel Knight now in a few years. Do you think you'll ever speed run shovel Knight or any of the other nights uh, at this point? Do you think you'll ever speed run uh, the game ever again? I might. Um, I'm, I'm, st- I'm working on King Knight cause I kind of want to submit for SGDQ if I think I can have a good enough time. Cool. Um, and one day I might go back to like Shovel Knight specifically as kind of like some unfinished business type thing. But um, I think it might not be for like a couple years until after like I'm not working on Shovel Knight anymore. Because um, for now I still get like, you know, my fix, if you will, at work. <laughs> I have to say every day when you go in your uh... Yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, that's, I, I think that's really cool. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it because it's... Um... Hey. You know, for those of us who are outside of uh, game development, um, there's definitely I have a lot of respect for it. And it's always fascinating to hear about what it actually takes to bring uh, a game as popular and as good as Shovel Knight is uh, to to the public, to to actually something that's a real game. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. taking the time and uh, sharing all that stuff and all the speed running and stuff like that. Thank you so much for doing that. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, if there's a place where people can find you, uh, w- w- is there anything you'd like to throw out there like that? Uh, you can follow my Twitter <laughs> at MunchaKoopasSK if you feel so inclined. Um, like I have a YouTube. You can find that by Googling MunchaKoopas. Like, I don't really do much with it, but if you have any interest in watching it in my old speedruns or something, there's stuff up on there. Um, if I may promote it for just a sec, the Shovel Knight Discord is wonderful. And I, I didn't even realize that you actually started it. My apologies for not uh, realizing that. But it's I, I there's so much. Uh, it's such a, uh, I don't know, I, I find the community really uh, pretty awesome and, and very uh, welcoming, to say the least. Yeah, we, it's, we've tried to make sure we're always very polite and welcoming of new people. Like, it, everyone there, like, it, I'm sure it's the case with many speedrun communities, like, People are happy to talk about the thing they're passionate about, especially if you are also interested in becoming passionate about it. Um, and yeah, we have a lot of great resources, so hit up the speedrun.com page for the Discord link if you feel so inclined. And, you know, I'll see you online. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to share it with family, friends, and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. All of those go a really long way to helping out the podcast. Thank you so much. Have a good one.